The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building Resilience. Talking Trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Well, hello everyone. You're listening to Radio Tony on the W4WN network. Good morning to all of those listening to us in Australia and good evening for all of our American listeners. Um, I'm, we're broadcasting today live from the Gold Coast, Australia, where we're in the grip of a nice cold winter. And even though we don't get snow, the frost has been like a fine coating of snow and really cold for us Queenslanders. So because I have a really wonderful special guest this week, um, I'd like to talk about self-love. So instead of going straight to the news, I thought we'd do things differently. I wanted to talk about self-love and self-talk and how very important they are to us as human beings. Once you hear about these concepts, it changes the way that you think about yourself and the world. Once you know better, you can do better and the world can surely use all of us doing better each day. So a little bit of information from an article in Gear by Sarah Samuel. And I'm just wondering if you've ever thought about how uh, the people that you spend the most time with Is it your spouse, partner, husband, best friend, your children, your co-workers? Nope, it's none of the above. You spend the most time with yourself, which is why the tone and content of your internal dialogue is so incredibly important to how you feel about yourself. And when I talk about internal dialogue, I mean the way that you talk to yourself. At the centre of this concept uh, that unless you know how to love yourself and how to talk positively to yourself, you can't really love others as fully as possible. Is this selfish? Well, no. Again, your ability to love and interact with others is based on your own love for yourself and a positive image of yourself. For instance, If you ever have a poor performance review or you do poorly in an exam, there's different ways that you can talk to yourself about the situation. One reaction would be to say to yourself, I'm such an idiot. I'm not smart enough. 
to succeed. Another way to respond yourself is, I am smart. I will figure out how to overcome this and I'll do better next time. The first is an example of negative self-talk, which is often proven to negatively impact the outcome that you're after. Conversely, the person in the second example is more likely to do better next time because they didn't let that moment define them as a person. They're able to separate the obstacle from their own self-worth. Another thing that is prevalent is after breaking up with a boyfriend or a friend or after being rejected by a loved one. It's all too easy to forget that just because one person doesn't feel you are a match for them or a good friend for them doesn't lessen your self-worth. In both of these instances, self-loving mantras can be based can be used to replace that negative self-talk and rebuild your self-confidence. Did you know, for instance, that at least one in seven people you meet will not like you and you will not like them? And that's okay. Statistically speaking, that's the rule of thumb. There's no reason in this world why you can't have people not like you and still maintain your self-love and self-worth. Don't let the image of yourself be misrepresented by what others think of you. And one of my favourite sayings is, it's none of your business what others think of you and nor should it matter. And this moves me on to my next subject about using self-love mantras. So what is a mantra? Well, a mantra is a fundamental part of Hindu and Buddhism religions. And a mantra is a word or a phrase that is repeated often or that expresses someone's basic beliefs. It's often associated with praying or meditating. Um, And here's some insights from the words of a marathon runner. He first discovered the power of mantras when he was running his first half marathon. During the six months of training in the lead up to the event, he never used a mantra, didn't plan on running the big race with a mantra, but it happened naturally. Somewhere around mile three, his inner voice started saying, you're doing this, you are really going to do this. This positive, self-loving mantra carried him over the hill and ultimately through the finish line. The technique is so powerful that he used it in every race since and has even incorporated it into his daily life. It's incredibly powerful to choose the words that guide your day. Mantras and meditation. So when meditating, a mantra is a great tool to deter your mind from its natural tendency to wander off. (coughs) Mantras are often used when practicing yoga. Picking a mantra at the beginning of a yoga class can help you keep focus and set your attention for that particular class. If you're new to meditating, you can find, you should find what type of meditation suits you best. And there are all sorts. People don't realize that you can even meditate uh, whilst moving. And this is called movement meditation. And it's good for beginners who struggle to sit still. 
So we all have friends or family members who let the negative self-talk overpower their positive self-loving thoughts. It's quite painful to watch them beat themselves up, but we all do it from time to time. If you ever feel yourself being anything less than kind to yourself, try one of these self-loving mantras to regain your self-confidence and move forward in a positive way. You can focus on the first phrase, memorize the entire thought and modify one of the following that may suit your specific needs. So here they are. Number one, I love myself. I am beautiful. I am a unique spirit. There was, There is no one else quite like me. Number two, I am worthy of love. I am a creature of this earth. I am worthy of being loved and cherished by others. My worth is untarnished by my imperfections or the way others see me. That's a particularly lovely one. Number three, I am worthy of good things. It is okay to want the best for myself and to pursue the things that bring me joy and happiness. Number four, I can choose positive thoughts. I understand the power of my self-talk and choose to select thoughts that are uplifting and positive. Number five, I let my happiness be visible to others. My happiness overflows from me and I can use my happiness to bring joy to others. Another beautiful mantra. Number six, I am strong. I have many strengths that are used to navigate the ups and downs of my life and I am tougher and braver than I look. Number seven, I am becoming. I am becoming the person I want to be. Each day, I work to make myself more the person I want to be. Number eight, my life is moving forward perfectly. Each bump in the road is there for a reason. Everything is happening according to a great plan. Number nine, I'm confident in my decisions. I am the creator of my own destiny. I stand behind the things I do and say. And number 10, I surround myself with loving people. I can choose the people I allow into my life and I choose to surround myself with people who love and adore me. So in the coming weeks, I'd like you to pick one of those self-loving mantras and try to incorporate it into your internal dialogue. Say it to yourself all the time for a full week. If you don't feel like the one that you've chosen is providing you with any event, any benefits, switch it and pick another one. If you find some of these mantras are more fitting to your needs and personalities, then design one for yourself that is uniquely yours. You might find that something works for you and it should make you feel better, more confident and more loved in a matter of days. (coughs) So finding your perfect self-loving mantras, 
a mantra can go beyond a phrase and it can keep you focused on positive and spiritually strong. A mantra has the power to affect your actions. For instance, Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. He didn't just say it, he lived it. So start to think about a mantra that you want to live by. Is it positive? Is it self-loving? Is it reinforcing the wonderful, loving, positive things that you want in your life? One easy way to get started is to is by incorporating loving kindness meditation into your daily routine with a mantra meditation video. And I know that our guest today, Caitlin, um, is, has some of these available for our guests. All you need to get started is 20 minutes. Self-loving mantras can come from all sorts of unpredictable places. A favourite mantra um, to use whenever you're not feeling grounded comes from a Dr. Seuss book and it reads, you have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself in any direction you choose. During times of uncertainty, these clever childhood sailings are not only positive but will help you maintain a positive outlook. So, a little bit about our wonderful guest today. And before we go to the break, I'd like to introduce you to Caitlin Bucano. I hope I've said that right, Caitlin, who's listening to me in the background. Caitlin is an intuitive healing coach and an animal communicator. Her passion and mission is to return us to self-love, to reclaim our inner power and manifest our dreams into reality with happy pets by our side. Caitlin began her journey in self-discovery through volunteering at the early age of 13. She went on to complete a bachelor's degree in human services and mental health counselling. But throughout her education, she always felt that something, something was missing from these traditional approaches. After many years of travelling and having adventures, immersing herself in different cultures and researching work with different populations, including veterans, involuntary psychiatric patients, voluntary psychiatric patients, domestic violence victims and perpetrators, uh, perpetrators, pardon me, uh, geriatric patients and addicts. She was led to the transformational work that she does today. Caitlin offers a unique approach of combining practical tools from counselling and spiritual practices in her coaching work with both the conscious and unconscious mind. She has extensive knowledge of both traditional and holistic healing modalities, as well as having studied under many mentors for many years and continues with her own spiritual awakening. Caitlin is here to serve us in our journey and allow us to become truly <coughs> magical and heal our traumas. And before the break, I just want to mention that you can find 
Caitlin on Facebook under Intuitive Healing Coach and Animal Communicator. She has a Facebook group called Caitlin Animal Communicator and Energy Coach. She's on Instagram under Caitlin Intuitive Healing Coach and she has a wonderful website called CaitlinIntuitiveHealingCoach.com. Uh, she's on LinkedIn as well and I will put up all those connections in the chat box um, during the break and for the moment before I introduce our guest we'll pop on for a quick break and after we come back I'll introduce you to Caitlin. Over to you Rebel. Radio Tony, bringing social consciousness this time every Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast, Australia, on W4WN. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty, is the new book from Australian author Tony Londis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony, experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. And welcome back, everyone. It's Tony from Radio Tony. And today, listeners, I have a wonderful guest for us to speak to. And when I was prepping for the show today, there's so much to talk to Caitlin about that I really struggled to condense it for our show. I know you'll have lots of questions, so let's get going and see how far we can get into the work that Caitlin does. I'm sure she will inspire and educate you in equal measures. Good morning, Caitlin. Hi, thank you, Tony, so much for having me. How are you this morning? I mean, this evening. (laughs) It is evening for me, and it is really great. It's a beautiful day. I was listening to your weather, and I'm a little bit jealous. I like the cold, and it is oh, 101 degrees here in Denver. Wow. So, yeah, wow. it's a hot one. <laughs> <laughs> so the middle of summer for you and the middle of winter for us. Yes, that is tr- that is correct. Don't you just love modern technology that I can talk to you um, from uh, so far away? It blows my mind. It's absolutely amazing and such an honor to be able to connect with people all around the world. It's definitely a wonderful vehicle for connecting to people. So, Caitlin, I thought that we'd start today by telling our audience about you and how you got to this point uh, in your life where you work as an intuitive coach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is a long story, <laughs> but That's I will condense fine. We've it. We've got the time. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Like my bio kind of uh, says, I started volunteering um, and always really loved helping people and always had a connection with animals. Um, So I started volunteering when I was 13, anything that really I could do. I worked with um, horse rescues. um, I worked in adoption facilities and kind of stemmed from there into the different populations mentioned um, and really fell in love with just helping people and connecting with all different people in all different walks of life. And I, uh, 
you know, through my own journey, which is where a lot of us get to where we are, I hit some really tough times. I had some tough times as um, a child and had some really rough relationships, got myself into some abusive relationships and got to the point where I did not want to be here. I did not want to be living and um, I was suicidal and I was in therapy and just something was not clicking and I attempted to take my own life. And when I was in the hospital and I went into an intensive outpatient program, I was introduced to Buddhism and meditation and mantras like you were talking about. And then I started coming into spiritual uh, coaches and mentors and Um, I got back on the path and journey of education in the formal sense of counseling Mm -hmm. and, um, between kind of pursuing that education and my own journey and kind of traveling and working with so many different spiritual coaches, I, um, started to notice kind of the, these gifts that we all have within us and, um, how everything is so connected. And I started, uh, kind of helping people in different ways. And like I said, the traditional approaches just didn't feel like they were completely helping. And I felt like there was something more. And through um, my journey in education, I started doing intuitive coaching and animal communicating. And that's where I'm at. So yeah, yeah. So Caitlin, what does an intuitive coach do? (laughs) Absolutely. So an intuitive coach does a lot of different things. Um, First off, I really help people feel into their bodies, feel into the energy that they're holding, work with their chakras, um, and work with that energy and understand it on a deeper level, returning to that intuition and kind of that gut nudge that a lot of us refer to it as. And then I also incorporate the coaching aspect of that with using the traditional mindset approaches and um, using a lot of these spiritual practices and tools to help us with all these different aspects that we we, um, experience that with the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and on an energetic level and combining all of those so we truly can create this beautiful life that we love. Um, So that's kind of, in short, what an intuitive coach does. Yeah. Do you think that everyone realizes and understands that we are essentially an energetic or, or or we have energy in and around us? I think it's becoming more widespread and becoming yeah. more of um, something that's adopting into our lives, um, you know, kind of with the holistic approaches becoming more mainstream and meditation yeah. becoming more of a part of um, people understanding things and yoga practices. I definitely think it's becoming adopted more, but it is still kind of a foreign subject to a lot of people, um, yeah. which is why I feel like I'd love to pull in the traditional background since it is a little bit more accepted um, of yes. the counseling aspect, but showing that there's so many different modalities and so many different things that are open to all of us to help us heal, um, that it's not just kind of one approach is the end all be all, you know, we have all these amazing resources to use. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I know from having done, uh, Reiki myself, that power of energy transfer is, Mm -hmm. um, an amazing thing for people to experience. And if they don't realize that these um, modalities are available to them, um, they may struggle with traditional uh, forms of counseling and healing. Do you agree, Caitlin? 
Absolutely. I mean, like I said, I, I was in uh, therapy and counseling since I was eight years old when my parents got divorced. And I'd been in counseling until I was 18 or so. And I was yeah. still dealing with the same problems and the same patterns showing up and not understanding why it wasn't changing. And then the other part that I really struggled with with traditional counseling is when you you switch a therapist and they ask you, what's your story? And we immediately yes. go to this human experience of what's our trauma story. And that's what yeah. you tell them. And that's yeah. what we learn to adopt. And so that's really what I wanted to help people shift into is not identifying with the trauma story, identifying with experiences and who they truly are and their authentic yeah. selves. Yeah, yeah. And it's about understanding that, yes, there's a trauma, but the result of that trauma is xyz and those are the things that you can um walk work with that will help you the most isn't it absolutely very very true so one of our listeners wants to know how far do you have to go in one form before you move on and try another i love this um so, you know, it's really a personal preference on that. You don't have to immerse fully in one and say, well, this isn't working, so now I can try and move another. That's why in my coaching, like I said, I really um, do kind of put them all together and we try different things and different aspects because traditional approaches and holistic approaches have so many beautiful aspects of helping. But again, yes. just staying in one really limits you and we're not limited beings we're really yeah. limitless in um who we are and what we can accomplish and i guess it comes down to how you feel within yourself so if you're feeling happy healthy whole and and life is okay and there's just the occasional trigger or, or twinge then what you're doing is is obviously working and it may just be that one little thing that you need to change or adopt that gets you to complete healing and happiness yeah mm, absolutely I definitely agree with that so another one of our listeners wants to know what forms of treatment do they have out there which is a huge question so I'm going to allow you to answer that Caitlin <laughs> um oh my gosh the the amount of treatment is limitless it's just really kind of what you're looking at. I mean, to name a few of the things I work with, I work a lot with mantras, um, like Tony yes. was talking about in the beginning. I work a lot with meditation, crystals, yes. essential oils. Um, I'm Reiki certified. I also work a lot with um, the traditional approaches of like dialectic behavioral therapy, yes. uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which yes. are kind of the emotion and thought approaches. Um, I mean, the the list is absolutely endless. It's really just kind of what you're looking at getting and how you can move into receiving that, whether it's based on, you know, limiting beliefs or um, not tapping into the feelings or a uh, lack of masculine and feminine energy. It just yeah. really depends personally on what you're looking for to and see what kind of treatment, um, because there is anything you need. There's absolutely there out there because... Yeah. We know we're all we're all connected. We're all kind of this collective consciousness. So other people are experiencing exactly what we're experiencing and trying yes. to help and raising each other's vibration. So um, the treatment forms, I, I can't even, you know, tell you how many yeah. there are. <laughs> the, the other the other important thing to mention is, though, that when you pick someone to seek treatment from, so if you went to see Caitlin, for instance, she would get to know you and understand you and 
by her experience and her intuitive practices, she would be able to guide you as to what's going to work for you. I'm uh, paraphrasing here, Caitlin, but if you pick a really good practitioner, they will know instinctively what you need um, and where to direct you. Um, that's what you look for in a good healer, coach, um, therapist, because they will get to know you, tap into you and know where to direct you. Um, and that's essentially what you do, Caitlin, isn't it? Absolutely, I do. I have, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, what does a session look like with me? And yes. there's never an answer to that because every single person that comes to me and resonates to me to work with, yes, there may be similar things that they're dealing with than other people, but you know, the form of treatment or the things that we work on are very unique to that individual. So it's a very different, um, but it is, it's very guided by kind of this one-on-one, -on -one, very connected process, um, which yes. is why I offer that one-on-one -on -one coaching so that we can kind of dive into what is going on with you and create the safe space and give you kind of things to work on and shift that energy and get you to create that life that you deserve. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, if you listen to that little voice inside of you that often will direct you to connect with someone, that's usually a good basis. Mm -hmm. So if you're resonating with what Caitlin's saying, then I just urge you to get in contact with her because obviously you're resonating with each other. There's a link. You're feeling driven to contact her and that's usually a good basis for you realizing that you need a coach or a therapist or you need to do some work on yourself mm -hmm. um, and I again I will put up all Caitlin's uh, contact information in the chat book box at some stage during our interview um, our uh, interview today but um, just going forward um, I know you're passionate about returning us all to self-love so I'd really love to get more into that subject and talk about mm -hmm. self-love and why it's important and how you cultivate this in people Absolutely. So self-love is such a broad term. And I loved your yeah. introduction, Tony, with um, kind of talking Thank about what self-love is. Because we look it up, like I looked it up on Google, and yeah. the definition says a regard for one's own well-being and happiness, yeah. chiefly considered as a desirable rather than a narcissistic character. Yes. So, that just rubs me the wrong way, <laughs> um, <laughs> to be completely honest, because yeah. to say that self-love is simply having a regard for your yeah. own well-being really is not at all what self-love fully so means. bigger than that. Yeah. And then the fact that we bring it a step further and even put that it's not a narcissistic quality. That's what got me I'm like right oh. oh my gosh yeah it's the fact that we bring hey self-love and then we put narcissism kind of In on the that same sentence same sentence right is really really shows how much we struggle with understanding what even is self-love what does it look like how do I feel it am I even capable of feeling it and we have a lot of these unanswered questions so I do a lot of work with helping people uncover where they're struggling in their journey of self-love and really what it does mean and what it looks like and how they can fully embody that. So self-love kind of to me is not 
having a simple regard for yourself. It's being able to feel like you can put yourself above anything else. You have to be able to do this to function and to be able to help people and be able to serve other people and be able to have this beautiful life. It's also in every single aspect. It's not just, you know, loving your your body one day and not the next. It's an unconditional state where you're, you know, taking care of yourself on each aspect mentally, emotionally, physically, energetically, you're taking care of your being and you're also able to serve other people that way. That's part of self-love. It does extend to other people, um, but it is still a reflection of what's going on within us because what's going on in our reality is what's going on internally that we're reflecting. Yeah, yeah. And it's also about that feeling of worthiness um, and and once you feel worthy, you're able to help others. Absolutely. You cannot give what you don't have. And yeah. that's that's one thing that I think a lot of us struggle with is, um, you know, we feel like we're an empath and we feel like we want to take care of people. And we often put taking care of others above ourselves. But yeah. we don't realize that we can't actually physically help someone to the best of our ability if we're not taking care of ourselves first because we can't yeah. give what we don't have. Yeah, yeah. So essentially you have to fill up your own cup first before you can give to others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Do you find that you have a lot of people that struggle with this whole concept of self-love and self-worthiness? To be completely honest, I think every single person that I've ever worked with, yeah. including myself, really struggles and has struggled with a journey of self-love Um And that's why I do a lot of the coaching with self-love because I shared in my own journey, I got to this place where I really didn't like who I was. I didn't even want to be there anymore. I mean, getting to that place of feeling just so awful about yourself and then going through this beautiful journey of learning to love and embrace and to be excited about who I am and what I have to give and how I can serve other people, getting to that place and seeing other people struggle in their own journey is why I do the coaching that I do because I want people to know that it is possible and no matter where you start, you can love yourself and it's a beautiful, beautiful process and journey. However, there's not a destination. It's always evolving. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, it's everybody and everybody's constantly evolving. There's, you never get to a place where you're just like, yep, I love myself. That's it. You're always continuing. It's always something to work on, isn't Mm -hmm. there? So um, when I was talking to you the other day, um, we talked about the interaction of feminine and masculine energy. And so in the 10 minutes before we go to the next break, I just wanted you to explain to our listeners about feminine and masculine energy. I love this question. Um, So feminine and masculine energy a lot of the time we look at society's kind of idea of what it shaped it into, right? That masculine yes. idea of a man, a man hitting the gym and not having feeling and, you know, just showing up as that tough guy and supporting yeah. and, you know, providing. And then we look at the feminine as weak or very emotional yeah. or uncomfortable or that very common way that I'll kind of put women down in society of, oh, she's on her period. She's moving. Yes. And we put a lot of that. That represents a lot of what society thinks a feminine is. So that absolutely has nothing to do with what it actually is. Yeah. 
So what it actually means, there's two different sides of each. So there's the divine masculine and the wounded masculine, the divine yes. feminine and the wounded feminine. Yeah. So there's, we can go so deep into this, but I'll just kind yeah. of touch on the surface um, yeah. to kind of explain what they mean. But so the masculine presence, when we're talking about the divine, is going to be where that action-oriented energy is going to be at. That's where we're driven. That's where we're seeing our goals and we're pushing hard through them. That's yeah. where we're taking the inspired action to move through. That's where our power comes in. On the flip side of that, the wounded masculine is going to be where our fear lives. That's where yeah. we self-doubt and talk ourselves out of things, talk ourselves down. We stay stagnant or we self-sabotage and take actions yeah. that are self-sabotaging. The flip side on the mat or the feminine is going to be the divine feminine. The divine yeah. feminine is where we are connected to our intuition. We're listening to our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. And we're really processing what's happening there. Then yeah. on the flip side of that is going to be those feelings of unworthiness. Is going to be those yeah. feelings of really strong um, shame and guilt. Yes. And all yes. those really low vibrational energy and emotion. And that's kind of what they do as a breakdown and why they even really matter is because we, we embody both of them. We embody both the masculine and the feminine in every single person. Yeah, a lot of the whether time, we identify as male or female, a right. human as a whole has feminine and masculine energy. I'm understanding. Absolutely. And it, it doesn't matter gender wise, sexual orientation, anything like that. Every yeah. single being does have, I, I does have both masculine and feminine energy in that sense yeah. because yeah. on a spiritual level and on more of a fifth dimensional level that we're looking at the divine masculine and divine feminine like I just explained yes. and we when we embody we we normally embody one more than the other we shift uh -huh. towards one more than the other so we're either a lot more emotion and thought driven or we're a lot yes. more action oriented but yeah. we need to be flipping back and forth to both because where yeah. it really comes into play is manifesting and that's yes. what i do a lot of my work with masculine energy and with energy with clients is because yeah. we are working on the manifesting process with masculine and and feminine energy yeah yeah. And kind of how that process looks um, briefly is we initially start out in the the feminine because we look yes. at, okay, what do I want to feel? And then we look, we go into the masculine. We look at, okay, what's my goal? What do I want to have? What? Do, how do I want to get there? And when yeah. we're in the masculine, we look at the action. So we're in this place where we can look at inspired action and take that inspired action. And in yeah. the feminine, before, so sorry, take a step back. Before we go into <laughs> the um, masculine, the divine yes. masculine, when we're in the feminine, we're looking at, okay, what do I want and how's that going to make me feel? That's yes. how we get to the next part of the masculine of, okay, what's the inspired action the that action. I take? And then we need to go back into the, the divine feminine to reevaluate if the action that you took still resonates and still feels good. Yeah. Because we have to go back into a place where we're thinking, where we're figuring out, does this still align with me? Is this truly what I want? And that's kind and of the process of manifesting in terms of masculine and feminine energy feminine. super briefly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So one of our listeners would like to know, how do we know which one of these we resonate best with? 
which is a great question. Absolutely. So like I said, it's paying attention to a lot of your personality, noticing how you react to a lot of situations. Do you pay attention to a lot of your feelings and you pay attention to how things make you feel and you kind of react off of how you feel or how an experience made you feel? That would mean that you're more in the feminine. If you are reacting constantly with doing and you're task oriented and you're always looking to check things off your to-do list and you're not necessarily taking a step back and going, okay, but how are these things making me feel? Or does the thing I'm working on still make me feel? If you're just looking at the action side of things, that's yeah. going to be a lot more of the masculine. That's really where we're powerful driven, action oriented. So that's kind of how we figure out which one we're resonating with more. Yeah. Again, like yeah. I said, you're always bouncing back and forth. And that's yes. kind of the goal. You want to find that where you really are bouncing back and forth because that's where we find the balance and that's where we really have the beautiful process of manifesting. Um, but you are in one more than the other. Yeah. And so being in one more than the other is normal, but recognizing the flip side of that energy. So if you're in, in the masculine energy and you're doing actions and, and working and striving, we all need the ability to look at how is that process making us feel. Is that my correct understanding, Caitlin? Yes, absolutely. That is um, really, really great way of putting it. And also just to add on that a little bit, when we're paying attention to how are you reacting, also pay attention to are you reacting action-wise based on fear and based on an unwanted emotion or are you reacting based on something that feels good on the intuition and guidance that you're getting from a higher power? Or are you taking that action because you're feeling like you're really in alignment, you're feeling powerful, you're feeling driven. So paying attention, and that's kind of how we base, are we in the wounded or the um, divine of either one? Yeah, it's actually being in that divine space, you should actually feel calm. Is is that correct, Caitlin? Yeah, the divine space is going to feel really it's going to feel really good. You're going to have a lot of wanted emotion. You're going to feel very calm and, um, and really grounded. You're not going to feel like a lot of chaos or anxiety or fear when you're in either angry, irritated, frustrated. Yeah. Any of that that unwanted discomfort is going to Mm -hmm. show you to look at you're probably in the wounded of either the masculine or feminine energy. Yeah. Yeah. And are there ways to direct yourself in and out of one energy more than the other? Any tips around that shifting of energy? Yeah. So I find that a lot of people are more in the masculine because we are so, we do get a lot of that shame. Again, not necessarily if you're a female or male um, gender wise, but we get a lot of shame for feeling emotion. It's known to feel weakness. So I notice a lot of people in society naturally shift towards feeling that being more in the masculine and being more Mm -hmm. action oriented. So I have a lot of my tips and a lot of things I work on with clients is taking that step back, giving yourself permission to take that step back and really feeling. So I do a lot of um, tips that are kind of bridging the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. Um, So one of my favorite ones actually is the uh, five senses. So this one's really helpful for grounding. And this one, you go through all your senses. You're going to do five things that you can see around you. Then you bring your awareness to four things that you can hear. Three things that you can smell. 
two yeah. things that you can touch and one thing that you can taste. And this really helps us because it allows us to go in our physical body, brings yeah. us into that. So it kind of bridges. You're not necessarily taking action, even though your conscious mind is thinking that you're taking action because you're noticing th- these things. But yes. it's bringing you into that space of the subconscious mind, which is a lot of where our feelings lie. So we're yeah. able to kind of bridge coming in from the masculine into the feminine energy. Yeah, yeah. That work that we're able to do in our subconscious mind is incredibly powerful in changing our lives, isn't it? Absolutely. That's honestly, the power is in the subconscious and um, the feelings. And that's, like I said, why I work a lot with shifting people into that feminine energy where they really can get in touch with that subconscious subconscious mind and the uh, feelings and emotions that lie there. Yeah, yeah. Um, one quick question before we have to throw to a break. Do we bring ourselves into this or does the energy pull us into it? Yeah, so a little fantastic question. Yeah, so a little bit of both. Um, we are people and beings in this human experience that have free will. So sometimes when we're kind of noticing an emotion that's uncomfortable, we'll push ourselves into the masculine energy. You kind of shove that down, and then that energy will manifest physically in our body somewhere since it doesn't have a space to shift it out. But yes, the energy kind of. Um, I work a lot with lunar cycles as well. So the moon cycles and what's going on kind of with the moon and um, the zodiacs and different things like that. And so that does shift us and pull us into um, kind of pushing us into feeling different things like full moons are a great time where we are really pushed into feeling those emotions and pushed into that feminine as well as retrogrades. Um, When things are in retrograde, you are going to feel intense emotions. Like everybody kind of has that joke about Mercury retrograde. I'm done for three weeks. I'm not working, which, (laughs) you know, because you're feeling and things so intensely. Um, Best thing about this, it it does bring us in the subconscious where, like you said, that's kind of where the power is at. Yeah. And in simple terms, if you think about the moon, that's a huge, big energy. And of course, it's going to impact on our human experience. And in answer to some of these questions, um, are we in retrograde right now? We surely are. Oh, my gosh. And so I (laughs) I want to talk about this after the break. So I'm going to get Rebel to throw to a break and a little song. When we come back, I really want to drop into the exploration of lunar cycles and retrograde. So listeners, stay online. We'll throw to a quick break and a song, and we'll be back with Caitlin to talk about lunar cycles and retrograde. Over to you, Rebel. Keeping the conversation going on the suppressed social and moral issues, this is Radio Tony on W4WN. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Keep the conversation going. Direct assistance. Call Radio Tony. Hello. 561-623-9421 on W4WN Radio Guest Skype. When superstars in 
freak show cops and robbers everywhere Subway makes me nervous, people pushing me too far I got to break away, so take my hand now Cause I want to live Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back 
to Radio Tony. We have an awesome guest on our show today um, called Caitlin, who is an intuitive coach. And before the break, we had a wonderful uh, question from one of our listeners um, called Are we, said, who asked, are we in retrograde now? So before we talk about that, I thought we'd open this little segment talking about lunar cycles, how they impact on people's life, what is a lunar cycle, um, and over to you, Caitlin. All right. Thank you so much. So lunar cycles, I love them and and it's been so much fun to learn about them personally and within my work. Um, Yeah. So yeah, a lunar cycle is the, is obviously the moon and it's the cycle that it goes through every, um, it's like 21.2 days or something like that. Um, But it's talking about specifically the state that the moon is in. So a new moon, a full moon, and then you also kind of throw in the eclipses, um, lunar solar eclipses and different things like that. But the big focus is um, that a lot of people focus on how it affects us because it does happen twice a month is going to be new moons and full moons. and. You'll hear a lot of people talk about kind of different rituals that they do or intention setting during this time. And it is so powerful to do this for our healing and just really for manifesting what we want in our lives. So the first part, just briefly talking about new moons, um, new moons are a beautiful time where we set um, kind of plant seeds. We plant seeds for different things that we really want to come to fruition in our lives. Um, This is a time where we're kind of reevaluating and we're journaling and we're looking at what we want more of in our lives or what we want less of in our lives. And we kind of really get that out of our physical body in some way. So that's why I mentioned journaling, um, speaking it out loud creating mantras again, like Tony talked about in the first um, part of this episode and really using these cycles as a really great time each two weeks to pull us into that. And this is so powerful because the energies are aligning. So when the moon aligns and kind of aligns so that it is a new moon, um, which is for people kind of just a brief thing of um, the new moon is when you're not really seeing any light in the sky. Yeah. Um, so when those are aligning, the power, the powers of the energies um, that are kind of going on with our planets and universally are a lot, they're more heightened. And then yes. that pulls us to be more heightened. So that's why these are such more powerful times to manifest yeah. and really plant those seeds. And yeah. then on the flip side of that is a full moon. And the full moon is when those things are really coming to fruition. This is yes. a time where we're looking at what do we want to release? This is a time yeah. where we're processing a lot of those emotions and letting go to create space for new things to come in. So yeah. the new moon's planting those seeds and those goals and excitement and moving forward. The full moon is when they're coming into fruition. Mm-hmm. It's also going to be a little bit heavier because this yeah. is when we're going to be processing and releasing a lot of unneeded um, emotions that are no longer serving our highest good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then, kind of, oh, go ahead. Is, sorry, Caitlin. That's okay. And so where does this concept of retrograde come in? Yeah. So when a planet is in retrograde, it's moving through a constellation kind of in its orbit backwards. So um, in the sense that what is naturally coming from that planet energetically or what that planet kind of symbolizes or when it's in kind of your birth chart or your kind of zodiac sign when it's heightened, it. Um, is kind of having the opposite effect on that. So when a planet is in retrograde, there's a lot of processing, there's a lot of 
um, taking space to really reflect. Um, and it's a time that a lot of people look at as suffering because yeah, there's a heavy. lot of, yeah, it's really heavy. It's uncomfortable, but the beautiful thing about retrogrades are there are a great time where you are growing because the discomfort yes. is when you grow. You don't grow when, when you're growing. comfortable. So mm-hmm. um, to answer that question, are we in retrograde? Yes. We have yeah. five planets in retrograde in five. July. And we have Chiron, which is um, a comet that uh, goes around the moon. And that one's specifically about a wounded healer. So it's bringing up oh. a lot of old emotions to help wow. us heal other people as well as ourselves but it's a really heavy and powerful one um so we do have uh the other planets that are coming in so mercury jupiter um saturn pluto neptune those are the ones that are really powerful um that are are happening right now and do we we often have that magnitude of planets in retrograde no no yeah so july i was just gonna say if you look uh, just on a personal note for our our listeners there's a lot of people struggling with a lot of things at the moment you might notice there's a lot of bad stuff happening there's there's deaths and and trauma and and that's that directly relates to that planets being in retrograde does it not caitlin Oh, it absolutely does. Retrogrades, like I said, they're a lot of suffering. And as you mentioned, they're really dense and heavy because we're really being forced to get out of that comfort zone and to process and let go of things that are not in our path anymore and not serving us. So retrogrades are uncomfortable. Um, And no, we never have. (laughs) I don't know if we've ever in history had this many retrogrades going on at the same time. I'm sure we have, but it was fascinating. I actually think the last time I saw this was, uh, I was reading something the other day that said 1983. Wow. It has been a long time um, since we have had so many things in retrograde. So just a tip for everyone, July is not a good month to make huge life decisions. It's really a time to take a step back and to process and sit with what's coming up and to allow it to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't you find it fascinating that, um, the, like, from my perspective, there seems to be a lot of stuff happening in the world uh, politically, <coughs> environmentally, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that we're coming into a time of um, higher level of knowing and consciousness Absolutely. Do you feel that there's a, a groundswell of of knowledge um, sweeping the world? I do. So, actually, um, there was a full moon in Capricorn a couple nights ago, um, and there was a partial um, solar – no, wait. This one was a partial lunar eclipse. Um, yes. I think we can only see it in the U.S. I don't think that um, Australia was able to see it this time. But um, – what that means is that was actually the start of a new nine-year cycle. So yes. it's a new paradigm shift coming in. And it was also the start of a new six-month cycle. So uh-huh. what that really means is that, like I said, we are really being forced to deal with our stuff because what's yeah. not, we can't bring the stuff that has been, we've been holding on to and the old emotions yeah. that are being dredged up. They can't come into this new nine-year cycle because they won't allow us space to grow. So. Yeah. 
there is a huge awakening happening. And just, I think in general too, with kind of how people are gaining an understanding and gaining more comfort and knowledge about holistic modalities, that it is kind of a big awakening and, um, beautiful and exciting (laughs) i was just going to say that when i i'm listening to your talk and my heart's beating fast because i'm excited for the next nine years um because i know that there'll be a lot of people that identify but life has not been great uh, mm-hmm. up until this point and I feel like a lot of stuff is giving way to a powerful new future for a lot of people um, one of our listeners wants to know would it be dangerous for them all to be in retrograde I don't think dangerous is the word what do you think Caitlin I, it, you know I just, love this question yeah. because a lot of negativity is talked about retrogrades because it's uncomfortable. So like I, yeah. I mentioned earlier in the call, people are like, oh, Mercury retrograde. I'm not working for three months because there's a yeah. lot of miscommunication that happens with Mercury retrograde. Yeah. Um, but it's not necessarily dangerous. And it's also not negative because it is a beautiful way for us to shake things up and to shift our energy and to really allow us to grow and come into who we are and I personally love Mercury retrograde because I am very direct and I can be a bit outspoken. So I feel like it's a great time because things that need to be said and people that need to speak kind of their truth and open up that throat chakra do at this time. So I I personally think that retrogrades are um, amazing. And the fact that so many are in retrograde, it's definitely... Exciting. Things, yeah, <laughs> it's exciting. It's making things tough. So I could see we're, oh, we're, yeah. it's kind of questioning dangerous. Um, yeah. But it's not because we get to choose how we react. We get to choose yeah. how we act. We get to sh- choose how we show up and um, how we conduct ourselves. So it might be a little bit harder to um, kind of be who we're, you know, put a facade on. But yeah. that excites me too, because Um, you know, every single person should be able to show up authentically because you're going to be loved. And each person uniquely has something amazing to give. And every single person listening, I can already tell you, you're beautiful people because you're an individual. So I love retrogrades because it allows people to kind of show who they truly are and to do it kind of a little unapologetically, which we should be doing because you deserve yeah. to take up that space that you're here to take up. You deserve to be heard and to be to shine and get excited and to voice your opinions and voice what's yeah. going on. So yeah. retrogrades pump me up. They make me excited. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm getting that too. Like I, 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 I noticed that. Um, I noticed that things are n- not good, but then I know that at the end of that. Mm-hmm. There's a whole new wonderful world opening up for so many people and that fills me with excitement that we could be entering into an amazing time across humanity. That's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. I was actually, I saw another question actually yeah. um, that I don't think we fully answered. Uh, oh, okay. When do people realize they need a coach? Oh, um, yes, yes. And just to touch on that, because we're talking about retrogrades a lot, I personally, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a coach, I have had coaches and the best times of my life and the times that I've really grown and shifted into truly what I'm like, what I want to do. I've had a coach because coaches 
are people outside of you that can point out and can feel what you're not wanting to come forward and say, yeah, Mm -hmm. or they're reflecting back to you. So honestly, I think it's always amazing to have coaches. Um, I think coaches should have coaches. I think everybody should. So um, just to kind of touch on that. And yes, do life coaches need coaches? 100%. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is at the destination. We're all still on this journey. I have coaches. um, I have coaches. Yeah, absolutely. We are all individuals. Nobody's on a pedestal. Everybody needs help. um, And everybody needs support. And that's what coaches are here for. So um, absolutely. And a good coach will redirect your energy to where it needs to go. They also have an independent unvested um, view of how to help you and you might not see something that a coach, particularly an intuitive coach like Caitlin, will be able to see almost immediately. Mm -hmm. And I like to say too, with the work that I do, I work a lot more as a channel. So I kind of channel what I'm feeling in you and feeling from your higher power. So I'm not necessarily sitting there and just giving you kind of things I've learned, I'm channeling specifically what's coming from your energy. Um, And yes, we'll kind of talk about, you know, conscious things that we can do and things from my past that I have learned. Um, But I think a coach is really helpful that really can help you channel your higher power. And I just like to mention that because I don't ever want people to think that I've got it all figured out. And um, that's definitely not the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, another listener question, what should not happen during a retrograde? Well, I I know that you're not you shouldn't sign major contracts is mm-hmm. one thing that I've learned. What Absolutely. else would you say? Um, I would say kind of as I mentioned earlier, I would not commit to any huge life changes during a retrograde. Um yeah. Because you've got so much shifting that there's so many emotions running wild and a lot needs to process and kind of ground and resettle before you're going to fully see what is what opportunity is best for you. So if you cannot make a major major life decision during a retrograde, um, I would hold off until the retrograde has kind of settled down. If you can, that is. (laughs) It has to be signed in the retrograde. Sorry, I'm reading it. So if a deal started before the retrograde and has to be signed in the retrograde, um, personally, I would feel into that. Feel into how does that deal feel to you? Um, I also think this would be a beautiful thing to get guidance around, um, kind of from an outside source like a coach, um, specifically in that situation. But just start by really feeling into that and feel if that deal does feel like it's a good path for you and trusting kind of your intuition on that. Yeah, because if you're, particularly where there's paperwork associated with Mm -hmm. that deal, reading it and really thinking about the words in that contract, do they really work for you? Are they really what you want? Is that right, Caitlin? Absolutely. That's completely right. And and understanding that it may not quite be what you want or what is right for you. And there you go. There's another question for you already. <laughs> so what if someone doesn't know all about the retrograde stuff? Will the retrograde affect them? 100%. 100%. So, yeah, we don't have to know anything about what's going on. But on, a, on an energetic level, we're already 
working with that because our energy is affected by it. So you don't have to know anything that's going on, but you're going to feel it. So, um, I mean, even when you notice, you probably could look back at times that you had like really big, tough decision or traumas that had happened or something you identify as a trauma um, in your life. And there's probably something energetically or going on with the planet that happened during that time. So, um, and everyone's awakening and everyone's on this journey. So um, nobody's getting left behind. So everybody's going to be affected by all the energetic things happening. Yeah, I, I would agree, Caitlin. There seems to be a real awakening to uh, ideas, concepts uh, that were never talked about before. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's a really powerful thing for humanity. Absolutely. And I love, love, love your guys' questions. You guys are just on top of it. So I'm enjoying answering them. (laughs) I have the most wonderful uh, listeners in the world. I'm sure of it. They're fantastic. (laughs) They ask the best questions. So um, shifting from our conversation about lunar cycles and and retrograde, I know that you work with animals. Mm -hmm. So. I'd like to explore that, how you incorporate um, animals into your practice. Um, And speaking of retrograde, I'm wondering if that affects our furry friends. Yeah. um, Well, you know, honestly, to to be completely honest, I have not thought about that. (laughs) No, I just Um, heard you just then. Yeah, I'm sure it probably does because... Like I said, we're all kind of functioning as energy, so no one's being left yeah. behind. So they're functioning on an energetic level as well. So I would imagine that it does. Um, yeah. Plus, our so why I incorporate this will make a little more sense as I talk about yes. why I incorporate animals. So I work with a lot of people that don't have animals, and I work with a lot of people that do. Um, and what why I incorporated animals and the animal communication part of um, my kind of my business and the coaching yes. aspect is because animals have always played such a huge role in my life. And I have always noticed that I'm a lot, a lot better of a person. I'm a lot nicer <laughs> when I have animals around. I am in too, my life. Yeah. And, um, animals always are in the present moment. So they really help us and aid us to come into the present moment a lot more, which, um, I wrote an article a while back and I did some research on how often, we're in the present moment and we spend 40% of our time in the past or future. Yeah. So imagine 60% of our time we're in the present, but you also have to think about 60% of that time. We might not be actually like paying attention. We might be like doing tasks or getting things done and our mind is wandering. So to bring us into the present moment and actually paying attention and consciously understanding that you're in the present moment is so powerful. And that's what animals really help us do. And then the other part of it too is that animals, they reflect back to us and are some of our best teachers the things that we do not want to look at. So For example, if you have a puppy that is tearing things apart and just causing chaos or having accidents in the house, it could be reflecting the fact that you're not wanting to look at something that you're feeling ungrounded or you're feeling very chaotic inside or you have something going on that's not making you feel happy or grounded or um, in control. So they always reflect to us um, what is going on within us. So I personally um, include animals because they are some of the best teachers. 
Yeah. And because I just, I love them. And I think um, that a lot of people don't make the connection. And we think a lot that, you know, our journey is very separate from other people's or from any other kind of living energetic being. And it's not, we're all connected. Um, So again, kind of going back to that healing modalities of different things I use, animals are beautiful teacher. So why not kind of incorporate them and um, use them and bridge that communication gap and help the animal have a better life as well as the human um, just makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I just, on that topic of animals, I just want to tell our listeners, I have had a lifelong struggle with depression and anxiety. And so in managing that, um, we moved to a little property where we have, um, and I know our regular listeners will know this, but um, I have two llamas and seven goats. And I know that when I'm feeling stressed or uncomfortable, that if I pop downstairs and go and uh, talk to the goats, and I know that sounds strange, or sit with the goats, I am immediately calmed and immediately less anxious. And the other thing that they do for me is particularly my white pygora goat, Jasper, who is a really cuddly fat little goat he has the most loving nature and if you sit beside him he will sit with you and just love being in your presence and that's where animals come in for me they return me to uh, the moment they ground me they calm me and the world is a better place once I've cuddled my goats. Um, So I very much identify with what Caitlin is saying about the healing power of animals. Um, And so one of our listeners wants to know, how do you know if our animals are going through something? Mm -hmm. I've never thought of that either, Caitlin. Yeah. So, Tony, I want to touch on something you said real quick before we jump to that question, um, but I will come back to that question. Um, The other thing about that is I love that because I totally understand that when I was going through some really tough times, um, I've been riding horses my whole life and it's been, you know, my, it's been my life. And, um, I would go to my horse's stall every single time that I had, you know, a breakup or was really having a tough time. And I would sit in the stall and just cry. And that was the most therapeutic thing to me because I felt the unconditional love and that's what your animal can give you too. And they there's do. nothing. Yeah. There's nothing else. No energetic being. They just that can love physically you. Give you that unconditional love. Yeah. And you think about too, um, I had a, I had someone say this to me a while ago and it, I can't remember who it was, but it resonated with me so much. You think about your animal to you. They're just a part of your life to them. Yeah. You're their entire life. Yeah. And yeah. there's so much power in that saying of just how much effect and energy you share with that animal um, is just amazing. Yeah. And the the love that they give you, and um, I on the back of my book, I have a photo of myself and my favorite goat, Whiskey. <laughs> and my son took the photo and um, he snapped it when I was unaware. But it's just a moment where I'm looking at Whiskey and Whiskey is looking up at me like I am his everything. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something only an animal can do. They're the Absolutely. only ones that can pass that energy of love directly to your soul, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. And 
I very much believe in the healing power of animals for anyone who has suffered any sort of trauma. Mm -hmm. They really connect you back to yourself and love you unconditionally. And they're the greatest thing in my life other than my human children and family. Um, And uh, they are... For me, uh, again, as you've said, Caitlin, some of the most healing moments in my life have been just sitting quietly and sobbing with my dog or, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, there's a reason behind why a lot of traditional therapies have started to introduce animals. Like I mentioned, I worked with kids with disabilities in equine therapy. I've worked with geriatric patients and they brought dogs in to do dog therapy. So there's, there's reasons behind, um, you know, why they do this and, um, the connections that we have with animals. And, um, it's so funny. I get, I've gotten teased my whole life by my family that I like animals more than people. And I always tell them it's very true because it is an it is very is, true it's pure i mean and and people are amazing and i love people and obviously yes. you know i work with people but animals i mean there's just you can't They're beat just it a different, <laughs> yeah 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 and scientifically as well um if you look at scientific data around um animal therapy you will find that it has wonderful positive effects on your body so mm-hmm. it can uh, stabilize heart rates lower blood pressure um change your mood um all of those things that the scientific world can actually measure combines with the stuff that we know intuitively and spiritually mm-hmm. to make them a really good tool for therapy yeah, absolutely. I actually um, read a study not that long ago about um, petting an animal. And if yes. you pet an animal for five minutes, the amount of endorphins that will be released yes. in your brain are absolutely amazing. I mean, they're close to like the endorphin release when we have um, sexual encounters or yes. when um, kind of mimicking an opiate receptor drug, or like yes. a drug. Yes. Um, yeah. So. Um, it's amazing how powerful kind of the connection is, but, and that makes sense for the question too, of how do we know if animals are going through something? Um, you're very connected to your animal. So I would, I would trust yourself if you think that they are. The other thing that I would add to it is, like I said, the reason I incorporate a lot of animals in the work that I do with people is because a lot of times we don't have energetic boundaries with our animals. Yeah. So we're sharing a lot of our energy. So your animal, you think about it in this way, your animal is so pure, you're that your whole world, they want to help you. So they try to take on your energy, they're going to try to take on things that you're going through. So if you're going through something, 100% your animal is going to be going through something as well, unless we set up a lot of those energetic boundaries to kind of help. And that's, again, what I do in a lot of my work with animal communication, so that you can both benefit and still have a beautiful connection but there's kind of some boundaries of what can we what do I take on that's yours and where does yours and my energy overlap yeah just a little story for um, our listeners Um, when I was going through the most traumatic time in my life Mm -hmm. um, I bought a little puppy called Bella and um, Bella sat with me through some of the most horrific trauma um, I'd ever encountered. And um, she passed away last year, but she passed Mm. away from liver cancer. And um, 
it was a very devastating thing. But when I remember looking at the ultrasound scan of her liver and the tumour had completely taken over all of her liver mm -hmm. and I remember thinking and looking at that image of the ultrasound and thinking that's where all my trauma's gone mm -hmm. and I, I, I'm not sure if that has any relation but looking at Absolutely. that ultrasound it looked like she had taken <coughs> on all my trauma mm -hmm. and um, it had centred itself in her, in her liver um, because she had... Uh, sat with me and slept on my bed beside me she had these she was a, a cavalier king charles maltese and she had these big droopy king charles cavalier ears and these big fluffy paws and she could hug like no other animal mm. i've ever encountered and when i was sad she would jump up and put her paws on my shoulders and snuggle her head under my neck um and my point um, about the question from the listener saying, um, do animals, do you know when your animals are going through something? At that point when I saw the ultrasound, I felt like that she had taken on all my uh, trauma and I knew when she started to get sick, I knew there was something wrong with her and I kept taking her back to the vet and, of course, it was a long time before they recognised or or worked out what was happening but yes i knew there was something wrong with her conversely with the goats if one of mine is suffering from something i'll usually know before they actually have the physical symptoms of mm -hmm. um so of bloat or um, goats can suffer from urinary calculi and i'll know before that happens and i know what to do now i've got uh, some vet products but also some homeopathic and natural products that I give to them and therefore they stay healthy all the time. So, yes, mm -hmm. I do know when my animals are going through something and it's possibly the same with you, Caitlin. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think that um, a lot of us go through something like that. Like my personal journey, um, like I said, I used to sit in that uh, stall with my horse. Um, his name was River and he was probably the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Um, yeah. I hold him so dearly, but, um, yeah, he, our animals serve a purpose and he had served his purpose and there's no beat up. Um, like Tony's story, there's no beat up that her, her dog took, you know, took on some of her trauma and that manifested in the liver and, you know, ultimately, yeah. um, the dog passed away, but they come here for a purpose to serve us. So that yes. was Bella's yes. purpose. Yes, so absolutely. For, yeah. And so for me, River, um, when he, I had started having dreams about three months out that he was going to pass away yeah. and, uh, before he had shown any signs and I finally was like, he started acting a little funny and I did a body scan on him energetically and saw what I could feel. Yes. And I didn't want to, um, believe what I had seen, but I saw a brain tumor and, um, and it was very early on in kind of my journey of animal communication. And, and I could yeah. see that his eyes were fuzzy. And so I had a vet come out and do some testing. And before the labs came back, I had, um, I felt him saying to me, like, yeah. stop, stop doing the testing. Let me yeah. go. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on my 21st birthday, I ended up putting him down and I got the test results that night that he had a brain tumor um, that was inoperable and would eventually kill him. And, yeah. you know, the fact was of... I had three months where he was preparing me, um, yeah. 
that he was going to be passing, but what he took on for me and he allowed me to grow and to show me even the power of what I could see um, energetically. And really, that's what really one of the big things that pushed me into trusting in myself and trusting in my gifts and trusting the fact that I wanted to do this as a business. So, I mean, what a powerful gift from um, a horse that, I mean, truly, I so much of my gratitude for where I am today goes to my horse, which you don't hear a lot of people say, but the power of animals gets pushed away a lot and we don't necessarily recognize it. But um, yeah, so that, I mean, totally a lot of people go through similar journeys like that and similar stories. Um, and that's why I do bring animals into it because yeah. they're amazing. <laughs> and they, they just have that capacity to uh, teach us things that we may not learn if we hadn't had that particular animal in our lives. Yep, absolutely true. And I'm getting teary just talking about our <laughs> animals passing because I just, mm-hmm. I, I have to say that um, sending Bella off to the Rainbow Bridge was just, and it's it actually is uh, her the twelve month uh, twelve months since she passed. So I'm getting mm-hmm. quite tongue tied just absolutely. talking about it. And it was just such a, a, a wrench for me. And mm-hmm. I miss her every morning to this day. And I'm quite sure that that will continue for the rest of my life. I know that she's Absolutely. happier and healthier um, over the rainbow. Um, but I, I desperately miss her. And I'm sure you would miss River as well, Caitlin. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to keep talking. We've completely gone through um, my break, but I'm going to keep talking to Caitlin. So we've got another question. Um, you can do animal intuitive stuff through? Yeah, Caitlin, off you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I also do, um, so I do an intuitive healing coaching, which is kind of the human aspect of things. And I also do an animal communication. Um, so that's kind of what I was talking about. I do a lot of uh, body scans to figure out what's going on with your animal um, and their body and kind of on a physical level. And then I also feel a lot of the things um, energetically that they have coming up. Um, and that's kind of where we set a lot of those energetic boundaries. But we also communicate a lot with them. Um, I work a lot with people on kind of like why they're, you know, what digestion, what food, what kind of uh-huh. their, their pet likes. Um, like my cat, for example, he only likes rabbit flavor, um, <laughs> which was a journey to find out. But um, yeah, so I do, I do a lot of um, animal intuitive um, communication. As well. So if you were to scan a particular animal that someone's brought to you and you mm-hmm. see something like a cancerous growth, do, do you then send them to the vet or ha- how do you deal with that? Yeah, so I do a lot of times send them to the vet and personally it's not because um, I'm not trusting what I'm seeing or because yes. I think that the other person um, – I think that as humans, we very much crave um, validation and to have a vet physically validate something like that is um, why I would tell someone to go to a vet. Um, I, I don't, I don't personally obviously love um, having to tell people that stuff, but it's, it does definitely happen. And, um, but you know, a lot of that work then goes into 
you know, what does your animal need you to know? What's the journey and the purpose that they've served? How can we make peace? Um, And how can we still keep that energy and keep processing that and really um, kind of process through that grief together? So um, it becomes a very uh, kind of tough journey to navigate. Um, But yes, it has happened. And and I do send them to a vet for that validation specifically. Um, And a lot of people do like to... um, try things kind of on the more traditional approach with medicines. And I um, strongly believe in that as well. And then I also do a lot of distance healings for animals. So at that point, kind of, we try to start doing some distance healing um, and try to see if we can move that stuff out um, and trying to make your pet healthier. Um, Then again, it all depends on the journey of that animal and if they've served their purpose or if they're kind of willing to release some of that stuff. So yeah. uh, Yeah. And it's as you said with your cat. Sometimes it's about what they like or mm-hmm. or don't like in terms of food and 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 stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, sometimes it's goofy stuff. Like I did a, a reading the other day with a lady, and her dog dog popped in, and I guess her dog had actually passed away, and we weren't doing yeah. an animal communication session, but. Um, her dog kept showing me cuddling by her feet and kept showing me her toes and oh. um, she was missing a toe. So, you know, I yeah. was able to say like, okay, this is your foot. Um, it's not your husband's. Like, are you missing a toe? And kind of just a goofy thing, but it was a beautiful memory for her to have yeah. because she was really struggling with the loss and yeah. me not even knowing that and the dog popping in and kind of reminding her of that was a beautiful connection um, to be a part of. Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, sometimes they're just goofy little things like that where they'll pop in um, yeah. and kind of pop in my energy field. And then sometimes they are uh, really deeper sessions about like, what are they taking on that's yours? What's the behavior yeah. that's an issue? And um, we kind of go from there. Yeah, yeah. So intuitively, you can see the spirit of animals as well as humans. I can. Um, I do not do medium work. Um, yeah, yeah. If an animal pops in, then I'll absolutely read it. If a spirit pops in, I'll absolutely yeah. tell the person. Um, I don't do medium work because I think it's a little bit harder to control what comes through. Yes. Uh, but in saying this, I know that a lot of people um, get a little uncomfortable or have doubts about, like, well, how can she actually do that? So I just, yes. like, always say that everybody can do this and it's yes. just like having a first impression. So yeah. when you get on the call, like you, if you've been listening to Tony for a while, you heard her original call, you've made up uh, some ideas and resonated with things that she'd said. There were judgments that were made, whether positive yeah. or negative. And so, but you felt that energetically. Yes. So that's what I'm doing is I'm yeah. feeling energetically and I've just t- brought it to kind of a stronger level and a deeper kind yeah. of knowing. And, yeah. um, but every single person has the ability to do what I do. And I also yeah. teach a lot of clients how to do this themselves because my goal is to help you live this beautiful purpose life that you want and that you're trusting your own intuition, you're trusting your own guidance, you're communicating with your own pet. So I love to work with people to help them get to doing this for themselves. Yeah, because life is not single dimensional. There, there's multiple dimensions and the spiritual um, dimension is a very powerful space Mm -hmm. um, for people to know something about to understand and to be open to talking about Mm -hmm. Um, and so that 
actually leads perfectly into um, the work you do with the conscious and subconscious mind. So I just wonder if we can quickly talk to our listeners about the difference between the conscious and the subconscious mind. Absolutely. Yeah, I love this. So (laughs) the conscious mind is kind of how we operate on a human experience. This is where we're having a lot of thoughts, we're having a lot of judgments, we have a lot of kind of negative self-talk or positive self-talk. But this is kind of where we are comfortable operating. This is not where the feelings are necessarily at. This is a lot more thoughts um, and decisions that are more based on um, right or wrong. This is a lot more of the reptilian brain um, that's fight or flight. This is where a lot of that stuff happens. And then the subconscious mind is where we hold things on a lot deeper of a level um, where we hold a lot of our emotions, where we hold a lot of our limiting beliefs and patterns. So if you have different things that have happened to you, uh, which we all have, um, like with our parents specifically, that's a huge one that we see of different things that your parents ingrained in you and you're not sure why you're acting a certain way or you're behaving a certain way, you're believing something or why something doesn't keep working out for you that you're trying. A lot of times that's because we have a limiting pattern or limiting belief and that lives on our subconscious level. So we're not necessarily aware of what's on our subconscious level until we bring our awareness to that. So that's where um, the conscious level, we don't necessarily understand why we're doing something. We're just knowing that we're doing it and we're reacting in that way. Um, So that's where a lot of the power lies um, in kind of the subconscious instead of the conscious mind. But when we occupy our conscious mind, this is a lot of times when we're able to tap into that subconscious mind and that's where the power lays. So this is where um, when Tony was talking earlier about meditation, I love meditation. I use a lot of conscious mind meditation. This is meditation where you're occupying that conscious mind with doing something Um, like I'll lead. I do a lot of um, like box breathing and um this is kind of where you're following a box. So you're visualizing a box and you're counting um, while you're breathing. So like, for example, you're starting at three breaths. So you'd be like one, two, three, you're holding one, two, three, you're breathing in one, two, three, you're holding one, two, three, you're breathing out. And the whole point of that is because you're occupying the conscious mind with having to count. You're also occupying it because you're having to visualize yourself go around the box, but the subconscious mind is being activated because you're focusing on your breath and you're also occupying that conscious mind. So the feelings can come up and be processed and that's where kind of, and, and what also say that there's so much power in the subconscious is because the energy that you reflect to the universe about something that you want comes from the subconscious mind. So if you're Uh trying to manifest something and it's not happening and you're like, why can't I manifest this? I've been trying so hard. I want this. It's because on a subconscious level, you're not believing that that's either truly what you want or that's not, you don't believe that you're worthy of having that. So that's why it's not. So, um, that's a lot of what I work on with clients is really breaking those limiting beliefs, breaking those limiting patterns and, resonating and matching that energy frequency that we desire at a subconscious level. Yeah, yeah. So it's the subconscious mind that needs the healing and the work, yeah? Absolutely, and our energy, um, but also that comes off of the subconscious mind. So, yeah. Okay, okay. And our, so, oh, sorry, sorry. I was sorry. just going to say, you know, a lot of traditional therapy with, like, mental health counseling, we talk about um, different 
um, treatments, which I mentioned earlier, a couple of them. Um, and one was cognitive behavioral therapy. So this yes. one's based on our thoughts. And in that one, we talk a lot about cognitive distortions or um, distorted ways of thinking. And yes. We look at that on kind of a conscious mind level, but a lot of the reason that we actually think these distorted thoughts or have these negative self-talk is because of what's underlying in that subconscious um, yeah. belief. And so that's, again, why I, I love to bridge the conscious, subconscious, and energy in all the work that I do because we operate at all those different levels. So we yeah. have to be taking care of what's happening on every single different level. Yeah, yeah. So one of our listeners wants to know, how can we know what mind we are in and do we control what mind we're in? So Great all, question. Yeah, I love that. So we're always in the conscious mind because um, yeah. we're, we're always – so this is like we operate on our daily at a, on the, in the conscious mind. This is where we're paying attention. This is where we're reacting from. The subconscious mind is what you tap into when you do take a step back and you occupy, occupy that conscious mind. So this is where meditation comes in. That's when you're tapping into the subconscious. When you're truly feeling something or processing something, that's, again, going to be the subconscious feeling, but all the thoughts, thoughts are always going to be the conscious mind. The subconscious is where emotions and patterns and beliefs lie. That's not necessarily going to be thoughts. So that's a good way to deter it. So we're always in the conscious mind unless we're doing something that's occupying that so our subconscious can be processed. Um, And then that's also when we start to do things like tools or um, mindset or spiritual practices that allow us to do something at the conscious mind level that's actually changing and breaking a belief at the subconscious level. And I know it can get it can get kind of complicated on that front. So hopefully this is making sense to um, all the listeners. Which is again why you need someone who is um, trained um, and has knowledge and understanding around these things. in talking about um, conscious and subconscious mind, I just want to let our listeners know that there's a lot of scientific work going on around the subconscious mind and into that space also falls the idea that um, trauma can or uh, well, anything really can be passed on via our DNA. Absolutely. So there's there's scientific research that shows that um, the trauma of our great-grandparents can be passed through their DNA to our parents and then on to us. Mm -hmm. And the importance of knowing and understanding that comes into play in our subconscious as well. Absolutely. And that's often where... um where a lot of some of limiting limiting beliefs that's where a lot of that stuff can come from yeah. and a lot of things that we'll process but sometimes we don't understand like why am I feeling this way or why was I triggered by this and yes. we're like this is driving me nuts why can't I figure it out it's because it came from your lineage and it might not be something that you personally went through so there is a yes. lot of research that talks about that and then one other clarification on the conscious mind this is also where ego lies so this yes. is where kind of a freedom of choice, ego, um, that's where that lies too, is at the conscious mind level. Yeah, yeah. Do past Got lives it. follow us as well? Yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Past lives, um, similar to the same thing that I said about lineage, past lives, you absolutely, because guys, the 
our energy has to be able to process out of our body. So if we're not releasing it and not processing it, which is why I keep harping on kind of, we have to process what's going on within us. If we don't move it out, it doesn't have anywhere to go. So it's going to manifest in our body. So in our DNA and in our spirit and our soul and the things that kind of process on in past lives, if it wasn't processed in that past life, 100%, it's going to be present with you here. And often past lives, like we weren't, we weren't supposed to process something, you know, we're each, each time we've kind of made the soul contract of what we're going to do here and what we want to process here and what we want to learn. And so some of that stuff is supposed to be kind of with us here because this is a time when we're really supposed to use that and to learn from that and um, move forward in that and kind of use it in our experience here in this human existence. Yeah. Yeah. So all of this kind of, um, uh, taps into that idea that um, that souls are eternal, mm-hmm. and that they the soul goes on for forever, um, and that souls have certain purposes in uh, our human existence. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, absolutely. And one thing to go off that too is when we. So when you think about your dreams and you think about, you know, all these different things that you want to happen and come to fruition in your lifetime, and then you sit back and you're like, I just don't know how I'm going to get there. Like, I want to own a private jet, but right now, you know, I'm in a small apartment. I don't have any money, you know, blah, 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 blah. And we talk ourselves out of all this stuff. The fact that you already have that dream that you want a private jet means that it's already happened kind of in another dimension. You've, you yeah. can't think anything that hasn't already happened. You're just paving the path and figuring out the path. So everything you dream is 100% available to you. And that's why I kind of do the work that I do to help people get to that. Because if you yeah. can dream it, you can absolutely achieve it. And I know we kind of say that on this conscious level and a lot of us believe it at that and it's kind of like more like oh yeah that's like a motivational speaker thing but it's 100% true energetically as well so um yeah souls are absolutely eternal and we do pass on and that's again going back to that question um we were talking about um that you had Tony of you know if I see something in an animal like that um how do we process that a lot of that healing process goes that that animal can reincarnate in a different way to serve a different purpose so um being open to that yeah yeah yeah. Um, before we run out of time, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about was how you use crystals and oils in your practice. I love this. I'm actually sitting here with my different, a couple of my crystals. Um, yeah. So I, I love this. I, I love crystals and I love oils. Um, I have, you know, different like tinctures that I take for different health things that yes. have different um, diluted oils in them. And I have different sprays that I use. Actually, part of my new moon and full moon ritual, I have two different sprays. One's a new moon yeah. intention and one's full moon. So uh-huh. there's so much power in um, kind of these things because you think about yes. they came from Gaia. They came from Earth. And there's so yes. much power in the Earth. Um, and then they all have different things that they do. So, um, I love using them for, um, opening up different chakras to help me heal chakras. I also love, um, just using ones that I gravitate towards because they do help you process. Again, it's another tool to help you process and release different things and kind of to aid you in being strong in that way. Yeah. Yeah. 
And often I find that I'm drawn to certain crystals and I may not know why, Mm -hmm. but if you just hold them and keep them around you, then sometimes I know what that's about, sometimes (laughs) I don't, but it's, it's more about listening to that intuitive part of ourselves that draws us to certain energies, certain crystals, certain oils, because instinctively they're going to help in some way. Absolutely. And we've all kind of heard about like lavender calming you down and kind of these different uses of scents, but it is very, there's a lot of, you know, even health benefits and um, energetic benefits and feelings. And I love what you said of just being attracted to whatever you are and not knowing why, because I have, um, I have quite a few crystals and, and I went up to them before the call and just saw what I was gravitated towards. And I grabbed, um, two different types of agate, which are a lot about emotional balancing and, um, and then a lapis luzi and that one I have a cough so that one made sense to me but the emotional balance I'm like I feel pretty good I'm not sure why I'm being <laughs> gravitated toward that yeah. but then yeah. as we're starting to talk about you know we, we brought up um, the animals which always kind of makes makes us emotional and then we're also yes. t- having a lot of retrogrades going on and then the yeah. lapis luzi which is a lot about the throat chakra that helps with clear communication which makes yeah. sense because we're in mercury retrograde. So your higher power is always guiding you and always knows what it's doing and helping yeah. you get to your best. So like Tony said, just trusting in it and trusting yeah. that you're doing that for a reason is yeah. beautiful and will absolutely get you far. We have to let go of some control because that control is going to be third dimensional. That's really human experience. We release yeah. that control and really um, surrender to kind of our spiritual existence. And when I say surrender, I just want to clarify, this does not mean that you just get to sit back and think that everything is going to happen. You have to follow <laughs> the guidance, um, yeah. but surrendering to listening to the guidance. Um, that's when we make massive shifts in our yeah. life. And that's when we have the things we want. Yeah. And the other thing about the listening is, and for the longest time, for most of my life, I would know things, but my conscious mind and my self-talk would come in and say, Tony, don't be so stupid, (laughs) or something along those lines. So I discounted where I was being led or directed Mm-hmm. or felt intuitively to do or say and went with that whole conscious uh, you don't know what you're talking about or or the mindset <coughs> that yeah. uh, brought through from everything that we've been through or how we've been um, brought up. And um, that's why it's important to talk about how we talk to each other because if we're wanting to tap into our intuition we have to surrender to that process and not Mm -hmm. try and frame it in terms of what we already know absolutely i love that and i love that you brought up that um the conscious mind kind of is saying like oh tony you're so stupid i mean we all have that we all have that self-doubt and that's a conscious mind because that's operating at a fear base because we get uncomfortable and we get fearful of what we don't know and what we don't understand. So as a human, we would rather be in pain of not having our dreams, but understanding the pain, than go into a place where we fear there might be pain if we go towards our dreams, but we don't know what that pain is going to look like. So paying attention to sometimes guidance can be tricky, but that conscious mind always comes in and gets a little bit, um, a little bit like, wants to protect you and wants you not to grow. But when we stay small, we don't grow. Yeah. 
and we can't be seen. And I, I know for myself that one of my core values is to be seen. And Absolutely. it took me a long journey to get to this point where I'm comfortable with being seen as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we run out of time, I'm just going to pop all your contact details into the chat box for our listeners. And I know that Caitlin is um, available to um, talk with anyone all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you do Zoom and Skype con- consultations, Caitlin? Yep. Yeah. yeah, so I use a lot of Skype and um, I use Zoom as well. Um, and we can do it where we're either video chatting or not, um, depending on what is comfortable for everybody. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm excited and I'm so glad we we're able to connect. Um, and I just appreciate you so much for having me on. Oh, the appreciation is all mine. I, I just, it's wonderful to be able to give people um, knowledge, understanding and education around everything that's, <clears throat> pardon me, available to them to help their healing. Um, and I like to talk about it openly and give people that platform. And I'm so appreciative that you came on my show today, Caitlin, and I'm <clears throat> I'm going to lose my voice from talking so much. Um, and to our wonderful listeners, mm-hmm. every week you show up and listen and provide the most wonderful questions for um, myself and the guests to answer. And I love that you interact with me and our guests so freely. Um, it's mm-hmm. a great thing that you do um and we're just about out of time and i'll have to throw to um a break in just one moment but thank you everyone for listening and thank you so much caitlin for coming on the program today i'm sure that i'll be contacting you again and saying please come on my show again (laughs) and don't forget everyone i've popped all of caitlin's details into the chat box where you can contact her um her facebook linkedin and she is a powerful uh coach and uh, a wonderful person for you to work with on so many levels and i encourage you if you're drawn to caitlin just to reach out and contact her so we're out of time thank you so much from me this is your host tony lontis signing off on radio tony once more and Thank you, Caitlin, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Tough Conversations on the Social and Moral Issues of Our Time with Tony Lontis. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia, Radio Tony on W4WN. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. A platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom!